welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord, Church. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning and bring you around the word. The name of my title today is overcoming regret. Overcoming regret, brackets, open brackets, there is hope in failure. Amen? Overcoming regret, there is hope in failure. So now as we open the scriptures, will you turn with me to Romans 8 verse 28, and then we're going to look in Genesis. So turn with me. Uh, Romans 8 is a very familiar passage. Uh, As you're turning, I'm going to pray Let's do this. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to come around your word. Lord, where your word is, Lord, your scriptures say that the entrance of your word brings light. And I thank you for that truth this morning, because we can walk around in the darkness of wrong thinking. We can walk around in the darkness of despair and hopelessness, not knowing the hope that we have in you, not knowing the hope that we have in Christ not knowing the freedom that we have in the gospel. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to open your word. I'm no one. (laughs) Lord, I'm the least in this room, Lord. So I need you the most to do what you've called me to do, which is deliver to your people, your beloved bride, your word, your heart. Anoint me, use me. Jesus, we just want you. We want to see you, hear you. Lord, we need an encounter with the true Jesus of the gospel. We need the gospel, Lord. Bless us, bless this preach this morning, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know, we know that Though For those who love God, all things, say all things, church, work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Glory to God. That's good news this morning. That'll wake you up better than a strong coffee. All things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Now keep a finger on Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and turn with me to Genesis 21, and we're going to look at verse 12 and verse 13. That's going to be all that we're coming off of this morning, just two verses, but there's a lot in there. Genesis 21, 12, a little bit of context, we'll jump into it a bit more in a second. Abraham is caught between two angry women. That's bad news. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Caught between two angry women. Anybody married? Anybody got a wife and a mother-in-law who don't get on in the way that you'd maybe like them to get on? Do not put your hand up, husband. If that, don't put your hand up. Shake your head. Pretend like nothing is going wrong. Ignorance is bliss. Amen. Abraham is caught between two warring women. The scriptures teach us that God promised Abraham something. He said that although you're old, although you're past, although you're ancient, amen, I'm going to bring a child offspring through you that will bless the nations. I'm going to bless the nations. The scriptures say in Genesis 15 and 17, God promised Abraham. He said, go out and look at the stars in the sky. Count the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will be as these. I'm going to make you the father of nations and multitudes. Such were the promises that God spoke over Abraham's life. He was called according to the purposes. And yet... Hagar, excuse me, Sarah, his wife, grew impatient. And in Genesis 16, it says that she said, God has prevented me from having children, even though he promised 
Hagar. He promised Sarah that, that it was through her the child of promise would come. She got impatient. She said, God has prevented me from having children. Maybe I'll have children or I'll get a child from myself by sending you, Abraham, my husband, to go and sleep with Hagar, my Egyptian handmaiden. Not a good idea. It's amazing when we get impatient and panicky, the sort of mistakes and failures that come into our lives. So the Bible says Abraham listened to his wife and had a child by Hagar, and the child's name was Ishmael. And you fast forward to Genesis 21, Ishmael is 13, and Isaac and God in his grace still gave a child to Sarah, still gave her a son. Uh, Ishmael was um, 13, Isaac had just been born, and by the time we get to verse 12, he's being weaned, and the Bible says that uh, Hagar and her son were laughing at Isaac. So there's a lot of tension in the house, and Sarah says, you need to put them out. Sarah tells Abraham, send out the servant, the woman, and the son. And the Bible says that Abraham was massively displeased, massively displeased. Verse 12, 12, it says, but God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah tells you to do, do it. Do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. That's amazing. I'll make a nation out of the son of the slave as well, because he belongs to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his grace. Now, folks, can I give you a brief history of failure? I'm going to take you through some historical failures that I looked up uh, as I was preparing for this message, and I just got a tickle from them. Can I share them with you? Great. Well, the first one was in 1920, when the Boston Red Sox decided it would be a good idea to sell a player by the name of Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees, okay? Any baseball fanatics in the house this morning? Well, they, sent, they sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees, and over the next 10 seasons out of 12, Babe Ruth had more home runs than the entire Yankees team or than the entire Red Sox team. Ouch, <laughs> ouch, that's no good. In 1938, a man by the name of Joe uh, Schuler and another man called Jerry Siegel sold the rights to a character they had created, all of the rights for $130. The name of the character was Superman. Ouch, ouch. In 1955, a young record executive sold all the rights to a young up-and-coming singer to RCA Records. That young up-and-coming singer was called Elvis Presley. And the royalties that that young, uh, that young music executive actually gave up were to the tune of billions. Billions. In 1984, the Portland Trailblazers had the first pick in the NBA draft. And they chose Sam Bowie. Who here has heard of Sam Bowie? Me neither. Amen? See, the problem was that they passed up on two other players to pick Sam Bowie. The first player they passed up on was two-time NBA champion Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem the dream, Olajuwon. But folks, it gets worse. The second player they passed up on was a six-foot-six guard out of North Carolina called Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Ouch. 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 How many of us have done something and lived to regret it? How many of us have made choices, mistakes, and lived to regret them? To quote, sometimes I wish life was written in pencil so that I could erase it and write it all over again. Folks, regret is real, and it's possible to live under a cloud of if only. It's possible to regret wrong choices, to regret decisions, 
actions, outcomes, to spend years living under a cloud of if only, if only I had said it differently, handled it differently, done more, listened more, given more, worked harder. My marriage, my kids, my life would be in a better place. If only I hadn't wasted time, wasted resources, wasted the grace on my life, maybe my life would be in a better place. Folks, regret is real. Regret is a real thing. And you live long enough, regret can begin to bear down on your soul. There's a quote here. I'm not denying that depression can be spiritually induced. Guilt from having wronged and hurt others can bring it on. A sense of having failed to live out the will of God can give rise to a sort of spiritual depression. If only I did it differently. If only I handled it another way. If only I did it differently. Folks, let me tell you something. Failures and mistakes are a part of living. Amen? It's a part of living. But it's not the will of God that you would live with regret. It's not the will of God that you would live under the weight of the things that didn't go, work out quite the way you wanted them to. But folks, I want to say this to you. Regret is hopelessness. It is. Regret is hopelessness. But there is hope this morning for every believer. Amen? Or oh, say it to me. Amen. Right? Every believer. Folks, Paul says in Romans 8, he uses the term, it's all things. Do you know what it means in the Hebrew? It means all things. All things. In the Greek as well. All things. There is a hope. There is a grace in the gospel that is wide enough to sweep away failure and wash away regrets. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord this morning. And that's what I want to talk about to you. This is what the Holy Spirit put on my heart. There are people in the house tonight who need to, this morning, who need to overcome regrets. You need to overcome regret. There's weight over failures. They're on you. God wants to break you free and give you liberty. God wants to give you a hope in failure this morning. And so we're going to go into Genesis 21, into the story of Abraham, into a real tension, into a real mess. Abraham, like many of us, is called but chaotic. He's called, but his life is chaotic, and he's made a mess. He gave way to his wife. He gave way to her fear. He said yes when he should have said no. He brought in complications. He orchestrated things that now he has to deal with. He's reaping a whirlwind. His mistakes, it seems, are about to split his family. Abraham loved his son, both of his sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Circumstances of Ishmael's life, notwithstanding how he came into the world, notwithstanding, he loved both of his sons, and now he has to send one out the door without an inheritance, without even enough water for the journey. Broken and irredeemable, or so it would seem. Folks, this morning, I would say from the text, there are two practical steps that you can take when you're dealing with the weight of failure and the burden of regret. The first one is this, you need to step. I'll tell you exactly what that means in a second. The second one, you need to stop. And then I'm gonna show you from the text that there is a powerful river called calling and purpose, amen, that will get, bring two graces into your life in failure. Amen. It's going to make sure that failures won't get in the way. And it's going to make sure that failures won't get away. Amen. So we're going to jump in now. Look at this. The first one is this. Um, folks, we need to step out from under the weight of failure. In other words, failure is not final for the believer. Can I get an amen? Yes. Failure is not final. It's not final. 
God says to Abraham, be not displeased. Now that word displeased, it's sort of, it's sort of coming in under the reality of what God is saying. That word displeased actually means to be deeply grieved over something that is broken and can't be put back together. It means that something, to be, to be distressed over something that is spoiled by virtue of it being broken to pieces. That's what that word means. It means it's to be grieved over something that is now good for nothing. And that's Abraham's situation. Is it broken beyond repair, church? Is it broken beyond repair? Is it spoiled? Is it good for nothing? Let me tell you something. I'll be really honest with you. I'll be transparent. I have not always gotten it right. I've failed in relationships. I've dropped the ball. In fact, my greatest regrets are to do with the times I got it wrong with people. Maybe you can identify with that. My greatest regrets are when I missed it with people. And sometimes it was compounded by the fact that I didn't get a chance to apologize or fix it. Or beyond it, sometimes even worse, there were moments and times where the people were so hurt that they left before I even got a chance to make it right. I got a, even got a chance to, to fix it. I, I remember um, somebody, a friend of mine, actually turning around to me and saying, I never want to speak to you again. I never want to speak to you again. This friendship is over. I'd made, the, I'd, I'd made a mistake for sure. But still, it was so heated at the moment, it was just done. It's tough. Relationships are tough. A lot of the regrets can be tied into the things that we say and do we can't take back. <coughs> Regret is a form of punishment in and of itself. Abraham was living under the burden of the blunder, the weight of the outcome of choices made. Do you know what I'm talking about? That weight of finality, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it's broken. It's severed forever. You ever feel that way? I've broken it. It's severed forever. In verse 11 of the same passage, it says that it distressed him. It upset him very much because of how much he loved his son. And maybe in Abraham's mind, he's thinking, the boy will never forgive me. Why did I listen to her? I used Hagar, now I'm throwing her and our son away. I'll never forgive myself. I'll never see my son again. Maybe they're the things that Abraham is dealing with. Proverbs 18, 14 says, A crushed spirit, who can bear? The weight of failure has the power to crush the human spirit. Proverbs 15, 3, The sorrow of the heart crushes the spirit. There's a crushing, a crushing weight that can come on us when we're faced with outcomes of situations we are the orchestrator of. But folks, I want to tell you this morning, the passage is teaching us something. Don't let those regrets crush you. Don't let them crush you. Don't let broken situations break or shatter you, even if you are to blame don't let condemnation into your spirit, saints, over those things, over those situations. Don't let them in because God says so. It was God who said to Abraham, don't be displeased. Come out from under it. Come out from under the weight of it. The failure isn't final. Maybe you weren't the best father or mother or husband or wife or sibling. Have you made mistakes? Who hasn't made mistakes? We either have a salvation that is big enough to handle them, or we don't. We either have a salvation that can take those mistakes and turn them around, or we don't. Come out from under the burden of the blunder. Come out from under it. Come out from under it. Abraham, don't let it grieve you. God's heart was for Abraham's spirit. I'm concerned that the weight of this is crushing your spirit, Abraham. Come out from under it. <coughs> Be not displeased. You don't have to live there. 
It's not the heart of God for you. God is saying, I don't want you punishing yourself. Step out from under the weight of the failure because it isn't final. Step out. He's for you this morning. Amen? <coughs> Tell you what, I got a frog in my throat. Will you give me 30 seconds to fix it? <coughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I need to hear this. I need to hear this. I'm 36, and I've made enough mistakes for someone twice my age. I need to hear this. Do you know? I do. The second, we've spoken about step. The next is stop. You've got to stop fighting. Amen? You need to hand it over. Why? Because the failure may not be fixable. The failure may not be fixable. Listen, scriptures say here, do as she tells you. What that says to me is that Abraham was probably resisting. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you fight against that? Send them out of my house. Send your son out of my house. I would fight against that. I wouldn't want that. I would resist that. I would try and fix it, hold the situation together. But folks, you can't let regrets motivate you either. Just because you broke it doesn't mean you're the right person to fix it. I'll say that again. Just because you broke it doesn't mean you're the right person to fix it. It doesn't. Don't let guilt cause you to hold on to it for too long. Don't let it. You can't unscramble eggs. You can't. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. No point crying over spilt milk. Amen? There's no point. There's nothing you can do. I am going to stop fighting. Say it with me. I am going to stop fighting what I can't change. I'm going to stop trying to fix it. I'm going to hand it over at a certain point. Listen, have you ever had somebody just apologize and apologize? Have you forgiven them and they're apologizing and apologizing and apologizing? It just makes it worse. Stop apologizing. Stop saying you're, you've said it. It is too late to apologize. Remember the song? It is. It is. To, stop apologizing. Send it out of the house. Agree with Sarah. You can't live with it anymore. Not if you're going to move into the promises. Guilt has to go. Guilt has to go. I will not live with guilt, regret. Failures will not rob me of my future. I will not hold on to what I can't change. Church, amen. I won't hold on to what I can't change. I may have orchestrated it. It doesn't mean I can fix it. I'm sorry for it, but I can't live with it. It's going to bleed into everything that I love. It's going to bleed into my future. So I'm letting it go. I love my son. Do I love my son? But he's hit that stage where when you're changing him, he likes to sort of get his hands in, in his business. Any parents in the house know what I'm saying? Remember the times I'm about six, seven months old, they just lie there and you can just get the job done. But now there's hands where, where, where you don't need there to be hands. You're trying to clean something and he's getting his hands in there. I like to think he's trying to help, but he's not. He's not trying to help. I wish he would just let, leave the cleanup to dad. I wish he would just leave the cleanup to dad. Get your hands out of it. Leave the cleanup to dad. Leave the cleanup to him. Take your hands off it and rest. It is beyond your power to fix. Listen to me. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Until you stop trying to fix it, I will not step in and fix it. I will not. There is, say, say this with me. There is, uh, <laughs> let me say it right myself first. Say it with me. There is reconciliation in my resignation. Say it again. There's reconciliation in my resignation. Failure is only final when I keep hold of it. Amen? Amen? Don't.
Redeemer, the, re the, the Resurrector. Stop fighting, stop stressing, hand it over. Leave the cleanup to Dad. In God's hands, even the things that have broken us can be used by Him to make us whole again. My grace, listen, you need to hear this this morning. My grace is at work and my plan is wider than your mistake. You need my reconciling power. You need to let it go. Come out from under it and hand it to me. You need to step and stop. And I need to not break this pulpit this morning. <laughs> and you need to hand it to me because I, I fix the things that you can't. I restore the things that you can't restore. Listen to Ephesians 1.11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. You are called saints. You have an inheritance. Listen, he chose us in advance and he makes everything, say everything, everything work out, work out according to his plan. Say this with me now. I'm going to get you to talk back with me a lot this morning. The plan is still the plan. The plan is still the plan. You need the power of reconciliation. Reconciliation is the hope in failure. It's the, it's the hope in failure. Do you know what reconciliation actually means? It means the end of estrangement. It means the end of hostility. It means the end of things being outside of favor and outside of peace and outside of, of joy and balance. It means the end of those things. He has promised to end estrangement in your life. Bring it back. Fix it. There is rest and resigna resignation. And until you let go, you won't experience reconciliation. Let it go. Now let it go. Even now. Lord, I can't fix it. Let it go. Grace is at work. I can only let go of regret when I have hope. I don't have to regret what you promised to reconcile, Lord. I don't have to regret what you promised to reconcile. And what have you promised to reconcile? All things. Everything. Everything. If I'm called, it won't stay broken. Hallelujah. It will serve the purposes of God in my life. Hallelujah. Even the mistakes. Listen to me. Even the mistakes. Listen to me. Even the failures. Listen to me. Even the things that you got wrong the things that, are, are, that, that you feel are on you, the things that are as a result of your hand. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for him who are called according to his purpose. If I love God and I'm, and I'm called according to his purpose, this is what I love about this. It actually means God will cooperate in all things. Isn't that wonderful? When it says he works together in all things, what it's saying actually is that he will make a contribution in all things. He will cooperate. He will put his hand on it. Praise the Lord. That means there's hope in failure. It means nothing goes to waste. It's an amazing reality. You know, my father um, refers to himself as a Scottish Jew. That's no offense to Scots or Jews, but he took two of the most, I suppose, let's say frugal nations in the world and put them together. A Scottish Jew. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> but that's how he refers to himself. And one of the things that he did in, uh, when I was growing up living in the house is he would take all the bars of soap, right, that were used. You know, when, when you've been using soap for a while, who actually... This is before shower gel. Who's over the age of 35 and remembers when there was just a bar of soap? Amen? Amen. Bar of soap. He took all the old bars of soap and melted them down and poured them into cupcake baking dishes to make new bars of soap. He did. I used to hate that. I didn't like using, I, I, you know, I was a teenage boy. I didn't like using soap anyway. Never mind soap that had been used and melted down and reconstituted into cupcake soap right? Amen? But now I see the wisdom. 
My father didn't waste anything. My father used it all. My father used every bit, every piece, everything. Nothing went to waste. And this is the promise. This is the principle of Romans 8, 28. He will use everything. He'll use everything. Thank you, Jesus. Job 42, verse 2. I know that you can do all things. There's that term again. All things. And that no purpose of yours can be restrained. Hallelujah. Other translations say thwarted. Job sees God as he is. You can do all things, Lord. Everything is possible for you. And your purposes, they can't be restrained. You know, it made me, it made me think of a river. And we're going to get to the idea of a river in just a second. But I want to remind you, God had made promises to Abraham that he would be the father of multitudes, of nations. God gave him an inheritance and a future and an expected end. And we are his children. Amen. So God has given you a promise, a calling. You've been called according to his grace, his purposes that he gave you in eternity past. He's done it. He's called it. He hasn't changed his mind. I have made promises to you, says the Lord. I have. I died to purchase an inheritance for you. Hallelujah. Think of this river. I want you to think of a river for a second with me. To think about currents, and I want you to think about countercurrents. I looked into countercurrents as well this week. A current, a river has a current, a flow. It's what causes the river to flow in whatever direction it's ultimately going to arrive at. But there are countercurrents as well, and they have got to do with the wind. And they blow on a more surface level in an opposite direction to the main current. So when you look at a river, even though it's flowing in a direction, sometimes the countercurrents can make it appear like it's flowing another way. Look at Ezekiel 47, verses 8 and 9 with me. Ezekiel is brought by the Holy Spirit to the temple in Jerusalem. And he sees a river flowing through the eastern side of the temple from the sacrifice. And this is what Ezekiel says about the river. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there will become fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Amen. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? That river of purpose, of calling. There's a river flowing through your life. It's the river of calling and purpose. It's a tide sweeping up everything into the current, the direction of the flow. There is a river of life flowing towards the good in your life, upward from an empty grave, restoring everything that it touches, sweeping up dead things in its flow, flowing from the Savior's side this morning, flowing from the sacrifice, hallelujah, flowing through your life from the source, from Christ. There's a favor on your life. There's a call and a purpose, a river flowing from Christ through your life. It will reach its cause from the sacrifice. Jesus paid for my failures, so he has the power to reconcile them. Because he paid for them, he can bend them to his will. Because he paid for them, because he took the power from them on the cross, he can take them and use them for the good. He's our reconciler. He paid. Stop paying. Come out from under it. He's paid for it. He took the burden. He can bend it to his will. He can do it. And he's doing it. The current of life, favor, grace, promise in your life is stronger than the countercurrent of failure. Failure is a countercurrent. It's not the current. Grace is the current. Failure, listen to me, church. Failure has to swim upstream. Failure has to push against the tide. 
Failure is not the deciding factor. It is not the driving force in your life. I don't care what the countercurrents tell you, what it looks like on the surface, what the winds of failure say. There is something deeper working through your life, bringing life where there's death, fresh water, where it's been salty, life, 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 life. Life from failure, life from the dead, life from brokenness, life from what you didn't get right. The gospel is wider than your humanity. Come on, church. It's wider. His love is wider. He paid everything so that you wouldn't have to live under the weight of what he drove on that cross to Calvary. That cross was heavy for a reason, folks. It was heavy because your failures were attached to it. Why are you carrying a cross that he already carried and died for you on? Failure can't define your life. Grace is greater. Grace is greater. And there are two graces, church, I want you to hear. I want you to see. The first grace, this river, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm singing that song, you know. Michael, row your boat ashore. Hallelujah, the river is deep, the river is wide, hallelujah, and everything fell silent. <laughs> Do you remember that song? I was just thinking of that song, but I've got two aspects to the river I want you to see this morning. The first one is that the river won't change direction. The river's strong, the current is strong, hallelujah. Listen, the scriptures say here, for through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. Hallelujah. In other words, Abraham, the plan is still the plan. The river is still flowing the direction I've purposed for it to flow. And look at the kindness of God here in the text. He came to reassure him, Abraham, I will still do it. I'm still going to do it. Take heart, I will still do it. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Take heart, I'll still do it. In spite of all your failures and your attempts to get it yourself, the first grace this morning, I won't let them get in the way. I won't let the failures get in the way. I will be faithful to my word. I will fulfill my promises. I will work in spite of your failures, in spite of them. Abraham, I'm going to do it anyway, because the plan is still the plan. Your calling is not of works. 2 Timothy 1.9, you have a holy calling. And it's not of works, but of his purpose and grace that he gave to you. That's a gift in eternity past. The call is the call. It's the call. It's the call. It's the call. And it's of grace before you did anything right or wrong. He in eternity past said, I've spoken and I'm going to do it. I said it, I promised it, I'm going to perform it. And weakness will only be the backdrop, the canvas to my grace in your life. I'm going to do it. I'm the God of steadfast love and mercy. That's who I am. And I can't be untrue to myself. I'm the God of steadfast love. Do you know what steadfast love actually means? It means loyal, loyal love. I'm the God of loyal love. I'm loyal. This isn't about you. This is about me. I'm loyal. I'm faithful. The promises are about me. I cannot deny myself. Second Timothy, I cannot deny who I am. Second Timothy 2.3, I will be faithful even when you are not faithful because I will never stop being what I have said that I am in my word. I'll never stop being it. What I am, I, whatever I say I am, I am that. Even in failure, I am what I said that I am. It's about me, Abraham. It's about me. I'll do what I said I'd do and I'll show you how complete a victory I have over your humanity. What I won for you at Calvary. You can rest because it's still on course. Your impatience didn't take me by surprise. Your plans to go into the blessing business for yourself and to get the promise on your own don't move me one bit. You may have sown pain into your life and into the lives of others, but I have spoken. 
knowing the extent of your humanity. And I'm going to be faithful anyway. I have not changed my mind. So take hope this morning. Be comforted. Steadfast love is a current. It's a flow. And no failure can divert it. The second grace this morning is that the river is wide. Hallelujah. Wide enough to sweep up everything along the way, even failure. I won't let it get in the way, Abraham, and I won't let it get away. I won't let them get away. I will be kind because you belong to me. I'll be faithful, but I'll be kind. I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your son. I will take your failures and I'll work them in. I'll work it in, into my plan. Your Ishmael's matter to me. They matter to me. I will pursue your mistakes as well. I'll pursue your mis- Listen to what I just said. I'll pursue your mistakes. I won't just forget about them. I won't just turn around and they can just stay a black mark in your spirit that you have to carry around. I'll pursue them to turn them, to reconcile them. I'll go beyond your reach to change what you couldn't change, to bring glory from your worst failures. That child belongs to you, Abraham, and you belong to me. So I will bless and protect and provide and prosper them. When you read on in Genesis, after Abraham had done what he could for the boy and for the woman, they wandered into the desert and the water didn't last very long. And the Bible says Hagar took Ishmael, put him under a, a bush, a bow shot away, and sat down and began to cry. Looking at the boy, she couldn't watch him die. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, he called out to the woman and he said, Hagar, why are you crying? I hear the boy. I see him where he is. I see him. Now get up. And the Bible says he opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. That's not the first well she encountered. In Genesis 16, she found a well and she called it the God who sees. My God who sees me. Hey God, go back to the well. Remember, I see you. I'm a well that never runs dry. And the Bible says that God was with the boy. He was with the boy and he rose up to become a mighty nation. Abraham, you don't even need to be in the room. You don't even need to be in the room. You've done all you can. You don't even need to be in the room. I'm following, I'm going. I'm going to chase them down. I will do it not because you got everything right in their life, but because they are yours and you are mine. I will follow them and find them in their wilderness. The things you never thought. Oh, thank you. The things you, you never thought you would see a peaceful resolution to. The things you broke and had to let go. I took them into my divine workshop of grace. I took them... And you know, you, you just thought it was gone. But I took those broken things after they were out of your life and they brought them to my divine workbench. I brought them to my divine tool shed and I put them down on my workbench and I began to work on them even though you couldn't see it, even though you couldn't perceive it. Do you know, in the past 12 months, I have gotten more calls and messages from people who left my life furious at me, blaming me because I'd done things wrong to hurt them. Not always true, but still that's how they felt. And they left that way. It didn't matter how many times I apologized. And out of the blue, over the past 12 months, I've gotten messages and phone calls of them apologizing to me. One I got at three in the morning I'm so sorry I treated you that way. I'm so sorry I did that to you. I'm so sorry I, was, I behaved that way. Uh, no apology could have done it. No apology could have made it right. 
But long after they left my life, God chased them down and worked on their heart because the relationships mattered to me. Because it mattered to me. He worked on them and restored what I couldn't fix. It might be out of your house. It might be beyond your reach. It might be out of your hands. But the Lord hears and sees the boy right where he is. And because it matters to me, he'll do something. I'm going to end now, but I want to show you something. The glory of God. The Bible says in Genesis 17 verse 5, God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of nations. Nations plural. Abraham means exalted father. Abraham means the father of a multitude or the father of nations plural. I want you to track with me for a second. Track with me here. Because Abraham became the father of not just the Jews, but Gentiles as well, of nations plural. Do you see? God did it. God fulfilled the word through the mistake. Abraham could never be the father of nations if multiple nations didn't come through his life. God took the failure, the mistake, and took the nation that came from Ishmael and wove it into the promise, into the purpose for his life. I'm going to do it. And in Genesis 25 verse 9, there's a picture that I love. The Bible says when Abraham died, (laughs) Ishmael and Isaac buried him. Hallelujah. (laughs) When it was over, the mistakes and the failures and the successes, the promises, all of it, all things together, put him in the grave together. He ended estrangement. Hallelujah. The estranged son and the son of promise together. (laughs) It's an amazing thing. A reconciling God. He brought them together. He will break the power of if only in your life. In the end, we won't need to wish we did anything differently because we'll see his hand in everything. I want to end by saying this. All will work for good. All will be brought into subjection. All will be brought into alignment. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he makes everything beautiful in its time. When it's all over, there will be nothing wasted. No if-onlys. Because he paid for the failures, he can bend them to his will. He has the right and the power to reconcile. So I want to call you this morning, before I hand it back to Pastor Steve, I'm calling some people this morning. You need to step out from under the weight of failure. Some of you need to stop fighting and cast it by faith into the river of God's purposes, into his hands. We need to stand in faith this morning. God, I didn't get it all right, but I believe you are still working. Because I belong to you, you will pursue every broken situation on my behalf and put them back together for your glory. I don't even need to be in the room. I don't even need to be in the room. I don't even need to be there. I'd like to tell you a story. I just feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to. When we first moved to Ireland, we got to know uh, a person, a Christian man. I won't name any names, obviously wonderful man, a man that God used in the arts in great ways. Uh, but he was, uh, he was adopted. Never knew his real birth mother. Didn't know her. And maybe 10, maybe 10, maybe even 15 years after that, my mother quite separately got a job in, uh, in West Cork, working uh, at a place. And she met a woman who told her how she grew up in a staunch Catholic house. She got pregnant and had to give the baby up. She had to give the baby away. And she never knew who he was or where he went. Never knew. Never knew. And it turns out that the man was actually her son. And he was a Christian man, a wonderful Christian man. And they actually found each other again. God brought, brought him back. And not just that, God used him to be an open door for the gospel in her life. That's amazing. That's the God we serve. Long after she let it go. Long after she let it go. Long after she let it go. God watched over the child. 
and brought the child back and restored it to her at the right time. Come on, let's pray together. Let's pray together, church. Lift your hands with me, please. We worship you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Lord God, I just thank you this morning that the river is wide enough to sweep up our failures and mistakes, the things we didn't get right, the things we wish we'd done better, handled better. Oh God, Lord, your grace, your gospel, Lord, your spirit is at work in our lives, drawing everything. You will use everything and bring everything into a place of life. But Lord, now, Holy Spirit, by your grace, give us the strength to step out from under failures, out from under the weight of them, out from under the burden of them. It's not your heart. You said, be not displeased. Don't live there anymore. Come out from under. And Lord, help us to give it away, to hand it over, to trust you. Lord, to stop trying to fix the broken things, but to hand them to you because you are a reconciling God. And Lord, help us to watch and experience as your river of life brings everything together to that place of purpose. It's for freedom that you set us free. You're the God of life and love and you desire that we wouldn't live with regret even in our humanity. We worship you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you that even now you're working in the hearts of, of, of people whose heart we've broken. You're working in the hearts Lord, you're putting together hearts and situations, Lord, that we broke purely because we belong to you. Lord God, I pray this week, this month, this year, we would get phone calls, people coming in different hearts and spirits saying, I want relationship again. Yes, I feel like you hurt me, but I'm past it. I'm over it. God's done something in my life. I'm ready to come back into relationship I'm ready to end estrangement. I'm not angry anymore or hostile anymore. God did it. God touched me. I can't explain it. Except for that the river is wide and he'll bless my mistakes this morning. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.